Do you believe in the San Fran Man Goblin? I do. I do. It was Matthew Delvedel. But I can think of nine games against that team up north I'd be happy to erase. <laughs> That's a great answer. You didn't play the game. <laughs> this is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. You are about to meet one of the most improbable stories and young men to ever have graced this desk, representing BYU track and field. Sebastian Fernandez joins us, previous yeah. uh, to him running in the NCAA championships. <laughs> okay, we, we just mentioned it briefly before we went to break. You go from not making the team to, okay, then you run a fast enough time, you're a walk-on, and now you're competing for an NCAA championship. You you make it through regionals. It's incredible. You break a record in doing so. Sebastian, what have the last three months of your life been like? Um, well, there was obviously um, some classes and I had to get through those and <laughs> survive. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're going oh, yeah, to school that. as well. <laughs> Student athlete. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I think... Let's see, three months ago was March. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, March, like, we were just starting outdoor track, and, like, uh, workouts and all that were going well, and, I mean, I didn't think anything of it. I was just like, oh, well, I'm doing better than I was last season, you know, because I, I write down everything in my notes app of my workouts. And, yeah, I mean, I time-trialed the 400, and I went pretty quick, and... Then I was like, okay, and I went to California for a track meet out there, the West Coast Relays, and uh, I ran 150.83 in the eight, and I was like, oh shoot, like that's that was three seconds off my like previous time. I was like, wow, <laughs> you you beat your previous best by three seconds. Yeah, and. I mean, I got new spikes that helped, but I don't <laughs> think it was that. <laughs> um, and then. Yeah, I was just like, whoa. And I don't know if you know Isaac Wood. Oh, we know oh, Isaac Wood well. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He's like so like hyped after that. He's like calls Coach I Stone. He's like, yo, this kid ran 150. Like, <laughs> he's like, geez. Like, You're not on the team at this point. Yeah. No, You're not on the team. Competing unattached and yeah. beating people that were, you know, racing for universities. I was yeah. like, this is cool. Okay. So what <laughs> happened after that? Okay, when you ran that 150, then what? Isaac makes a call, then what? Um, went to work on Tuesday, and I was sitting there, and I got a call from like BYU, and I was like, who's calling me from BYU? And it was Coach Eyestone, and I was like, cool. And he's like, we're going to give you a tryout. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and this is, and now, you had tried out before. Yeah. And not made it. Yeah, last year, because I ran like 153-1. With the old, with the old spikes. Yeah, with the old spikes. Yeah. that was what. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. Faster shoes, new spikes. Right. <laughs> uh, you run your fastest time, and then uh, try out. yeah, you, you yeah. try out. So, so what happened? Um, I mean, I was working really hard to get through the NCAA clearing center, you know, to be able to compete. Literally the week after, like I was offered a tryout, and it wasn't fast enough. I think just silly stuff with paperwork, but um. Like the week after that, or two weeks after that, I competed at the first BYU meet, and it was a windy day, and I kind of had a weird race, and so I ran 
my slowest ever. It was 152. But it was really cool because I learned a lot from that race, like, you know, just how to finish a race on, like, dead legs because the wind just took so much out of me, I feel like. I, I People can make yeah. that excuse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, 152, I was like, yeah, I mean, it was okay with the wind. Two seconds makes a big difference in the 800. Yeah. Huge difference. One second makes a huge difference in the 800. Like, looking at regional, uh, at the West region for qualifying for regionals, like, one second would have dropped me from, like, 48th, you know, to, like, top 20. Okay. Like, so it's Wow. Talking 30 spots. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Then you go to the BYU Cougar Invitational at home. Yeah. Yeah, I ran at Oregon for one meet too, and gotcha. I even split that race. It was pretty funny. I was like, okay, I can go faster. I went 55s for both. <laughs> and uh, um, yeah, and then I went to the BYU meet, and I was like, all right, here we go. Last meet of the season. Like, I got to like leave it all on the track, you know, because I was like, otherwise my season ends. And that was just, you know, three times to compete for one year of eligibility. You yeah, know? yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and yeah, and, and, went. and you run a 147. Yeah. This this is the Robison Invitational 800 record. Is that correct? That's what we learned. Yes. Um, it's the facility the complex record. record. Oh, the, the complex record. You run a 147. Okay, at the Cougar Invite, Woo! and then you do it again at the NCAA West Preliminary, and you go to nationals. To punch your ticket to nationals. Yeah. <laughs> I had to do it twice because regionals is like. First round and then quarterfinals. Okay. So you'd, it, what, you couldn't be just like, yeah, I ran a 147 in Provo, but <laughs> I got to do it in Arkansas twice. Yeah. What was that like, man, to go through this journey of <laughs> you run that 152 in the wind, you said you learned a lot, you ran the 150 before, you get on the team, you go through the NCAA clearinghouse, and all of a sudden, boom, you're in the regionals and now you've qualified for nationals. What's this journey been like for you? Honestly, I I kind of made a joke. I was like, every time I've stepped on the track this season, I feel like I've kind of shocked myself. I'm just like, whoa. Like, and I think that's a good feeling to have, you know, and be like, every race, go into it and be like, okay, this is going to be my best race. And I'm just going to have fun with it and like, we'll see what happens. And it was, it's just cool. It's unreal, honestly, that, <laughs> that I was able to make it to nationals like that wasn't even on like my radar okay well you're here and uh (laughs) so your family lives in minnesota yeah correct me if i'm wrong because we were sharing details during the break but your family drove 19 hours (laughs) to watch you run at was it the cougar invitational or the preliminaries the provo yeah provo so it was the cougar to see to see the record here and then they went to arkansas and then they went to arkansas (laughs) and so i are they driving to Eugene? Uh, my parents are flying out. They're flying okay. now. They, yes. Yeah. I'm so happy for you. You're flying on the like, plane. Gas You're not is driving. So expensive. Jeez. Good gravy. That's okay. incredible, man. That's incredible. Do, does everyone on the team know your name? I think so. I it's know. been a couple weeks, right? Like, who's that kid? The one that qualified the, for nationals. What's his name? Seb? Sebastian? <laughs> I mean, that that's amazing, man. What's uh, what has the conversation been like with that Istone now where it's like Hey, we're in business. You're you're a thing. You're a deal now. <laughs> honestly, I just think he's. I think he's shocked. Is just as shocked as I am. Honestly, like <laughs> I like I, I mentioned to you guys, I've dropped six seconds in the 800 this season, and that's unbelievable. I was like, 
I did not expect that. Yeah. Six seconds is a ton, especially sub two. Well, it's one thing to (laughs) do it once, but now you've done it multiple times. And Mm -hmm. so let's put this into context a little bit. Let's say you run a 147 again at Nationals. Mm -hmm. Where would that place you based on the times that have been run this year? Um, I can't remember what was run at regionals, but I feel like it would, it wouldn't, I don't think it would move me on to the final probably, but I think it would be a very solid time to put me in like maybe second team All-American. Wow. <laughs> That'd be pretty good, bro. So if you're on a 147 there, we're talking potentially second team All-American. Yeah. I mean, obviously I haven't sat down and talked about it with coach yet because I don't, the heats yeah. haven't been made yet in anything, but... Again, three I months ago, you were not running for he's, BYU. He's like, yeah. Fernandez with an S or a Z at the end. Like, <laughs> we, we barely know you. This, hey. is, this is amazing. Yeah, okay, well, here's see. how this works. Before That's you awesome. go, we give you some BYU Sports Nation karma for joining the show. Um, so you can go hit that one. We need to shave six seconds off. I was going to go 146 and just like, 146? make the deal Might as well, bro. The karma will only help you in the pursuit of <laughs> 146. Well. Have, have fun at uh, Tracktown USA. Uh, next next week in Nationals, man. All right. What an incredible story. Thanks for coming in. Yeah, thanks for having me. We'll awesome. have you uh, sign the flag during the break if that's all right. All right. Okay. Awesome. Good. Congratulations on everything. We'll be watching. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Day. What's Trending presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. TV dates and times for the majority of the BYU football schedule in 2022 have been revealed. What do you think? Any of them advantageous? Disadvantageous? What makes the most sense for you to enjoy as a fan? So let's discuss, Jerem. As you look at the 12-game schedule, again, not everything has been announced, but a good deal of the information has been set. What jumps out to you, first and foremost, about the BYU football TV schedule? Yeah, there are things I like, things I don't like. It just is what it is to some degree, right? It's not like we can control this very much. Uh, You know, okay, uh, first off, uh, the, the greatest combination of TV time and channel is Oregon. 3.30 Eastern on Fox. I love that. Afternoon, national TV, big-time game with hopefully two top 25 teams at that point. That's going to be big time, Uh, especially if BYU is coming off a home win against Baylor, which is the hope, right? I love that one. That really pops for Mm -hmm. me as kind of the number one situation. Although Notre Dame, 7.30 Eastern on NBC, we already knew. (laughs) That's amazing. Like, it's Notre Dame. It's NBC. Every. Like, does any does anyone do people still have uh, you know rabbit ears on TVs? Like, if so, you still get NBC no matter what. You know what I mean? Yep. Like being on network television doesn't mean as much as it used to. There's a digital antenna. But yeah, <laughs> uh, I wish what about the worked? analog where I live it doesn't work, so I pay for the cable. Yeah. Uh yeah, everybody's got the internet. They can whatever. Mm-hmm. Go to Chili's. You can uh, you can watch it. Whatever. <laughs> but yeah, th- those two games really stick out as like network TV in a great spot that isn't like super late at night. Okay, so the first thing I like is the Baylor home opener. Mm-hmm. I know it's late, but I like the idea of 
temperatures cooling and evening football early in the season. And maybe it's just fantastic memories of what happened the last time BYU opened at home at 8:15. Well, and the next week. Right? Arizona State like Utah the, and Arizona State two late yeah. games. That yeah. was incredible. So I like the cooler temperatures, beautiful setting with the changing colors against the mountain backdrop and then Football under the lights. I really like that. I'm with you on the Oregon national spotlight. A yeah. lot of eyeballs are going to be one. on that game, especially if BYU is 2-0 and and Oregon is 2-0 and going into that Oregon game. Oregon will be 1-1, dog. Uh, they're playing Georgia in Atlanta in week one. So they're going to lose that game. I agree with you. <laughs> do we hope they win it? Kind of. So, yes, we do, because then that win would matter more. I mean, more. they beat Ohio State on the road last year. Oregon is weird about can, doing things yes, like they that. they can lose at Stanford. They can win at Ohio State. Yeah. Just, they they yeah. could beat Georgia and then lose to BYU at home. <laughs> yeah, I'm really, I'm really hoping there's no soccer volleyball game that weekend, because I want to go to that Oregon game. Because my parents went to a BYU-Oregon game uh-huh. in 89 uh-huh. and didn't take your boy, who was five, and I would have... I would have been great at the game, Mom. Why didn't you take me? You know what game they also didn't take me to? Let's just take a moment. I was a baby, but they were in San Diego, and they went to the 84 Holiday Bowl. Didn't take Jerem. Could have taken me. I know I would have cried and pooped my way through that game probably as a baby, but come on. I could have said that I went to that game. Jerem. Mom, I still love you. You know that. In the words I'll call of, you later. In the words of a line from Top Gun Maverick, <laughs> it's time to let go. <laughs> let the pass die, Kyler it's Ren. time to let go I don't have to let go of it moving on to the schedule Notre Dame primetime that is the primetime yeah, slot no doubt Clear. Like that, that is Next. the biggest primetime slot the opener for BYU against USF on ESPNU I was a little worried that this game might be early in the day I don't like the idea of BYU playing early football on the east coast yeah so a 4 p.m. Eastern time start Not is favorable. I like that. Not terrible. Um, Could it be is, very it hot is going to be hot and humid. Hot that's, and humid. That's my one. So let's talk disadvantages. Okay. Hot and humid in Tampa in the Omer. It is what it is in September in Tampa probably, unless you're playing way late, which they don't on the East Coast typically play late games. They get them in earlier. Um, and then the other one that sticks out is Utah State. It's a Thursday night game, short turnaround. 6 p.m. Mountain, though. Not super late. Well, it's anytime Thursday, whatever. The short turnaround is a little bit of concern. And Utah State, it's not like they're traveling far, right? Short turnaround it's, after Wyoming? Are we worried about that? Utah State won 11 games last year and finished top 25, and they bring back um, some good pieces, okay. including Logan Bonner. But they're at this, home. This, this is a game you need to be careful. Like, that's a sneaky one. But but the advantage of the Thursday is that the next week BYU is at no, uh, against Notre Dame. Amen. So they have two extra days yes. to prep for the Fighting Irish. Yes, I like that part. Yes, and if you're going to do a Thursday night game, better that BYU has a home and home scenario where yes. they host Wyoming. Yes, they don't have to go anywhere. And Vegas isn't crazy road trip the next week. Yes, yeah. Yeah, they yeah. stay home against yep. Utah State nine days to prepare for Notre this Dame. This stuff so, yeah. matters. When the when like the dust settles in five years, you don't think about well. That was a Thursday. They had played two P fives the previous two of the last three weeks. They had Notre Dame the next week. Like Utah State's a trap game. Let's just say it right now. That is a trap game yes. on this schedule with Notre Dame the next week. Like is BYU, uh, you know, four and zero at this point. Are they almost in the top 10? Like, are they riding high? Like, that is a sneaky, sneaky game. Be careful. 
The toughest stretch for BYU, as I look at the schedule with all the times and dates that have been announced, for me is Utah State, Notre Dame, Arkansas. I mean, Arkansas at yes. the end of that three-game stretch, because you're going to play an emotional rivalry game against Utah State. They'll the be extra motivated. They'll be extra motivated yep. because they've been taken off the schedule. Then you get Notre Dame, which looks like it will clearly be the toughest game of the season. We'll see when everything pans out. And then you get Arkansas, which a lot of people think now, at least not uh, when we ask the question, some people think Arkansas might be an even tougher game than Notre Dame. Wait, a tougher which opponent. It could. Like, like Notre Dame's perennially overrated. They're fantastic, but, you know, in the end they don't actually, you know, win the big game or whatever, like that'll be, that'll be a huge three game set. Sure. I, yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. That's a huge situation. TBD games. Let's talk about that. Like what's, what's still TBD. That's interesting. It's Arkansas. Um, and the reason that some of these aren't announced yet is like ESPN wants to see how good Arkansas and BYU are. Do they put it on ABC at one Yeah. In the yeah. afternoon. Like, it, is that a game of two top 15 teams? If at it's that a point? ranked like, matchup, like, I would be knows? shocked if it's not on ABC at 1.30 or ESPN at like 5 o'clock. Or regional split or whatever. Yes. Like, that. that's going to be no worse than ESPN 2, by the way. That, there's no way that game's on ESPN U to me. Um, there are a few other TBAs. Like, Liberty has a deal with ESPN. They'll just figure out, is that an – that feels like an ESPN U game, right? Um, Stanford's interesting. Our hope is it's not on the Pac-12 network, right? I'd so like to it, watch the game <laughs> without having to order an extra package. Well, you'll be at the game. But, um, <laughs> yeah, unless we switch. Touche. Um, yeah. So those are the only a couple TBAs, right, um, that that stick out. But the most important game is, of course, Utah Tech live on BYU TV. Like ah, yes. Yeah. We saved the best for last, right? <laughs> Perhaps our last game in a while. Here's what I don't want with Boise State. A super late kickoff against Boise State. Yeah. And it looks like a Saturday. I mean, do not, I mean, do they not couldn't. want a late, late kickoff against Boise State. Yeah, and it'll be on Fox. Mountain West Conference has a Fox deal as of the last couple of years. So that's traditionally been an ESPN game. But, you know, FS1 yeah. in 2020, um, and that went well. You know, my guy Aaron Goldsmith calling the game. I'm feeding him info during the game. It's get, getting him on the air. I can infiltrate the broadcast. There you go. <laughs> hey, a few Nostris Nocturnus nights. Okay. Utah State, yep. East Carolina Se- on Thursday and Friday. You own, own the, the night. night. Sorry, own, own the, the night, night because you're not yep. competing against a bunch of other games on Saturday. Yep. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. We're live in Studio B. This is your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I am Spencer Linton. To my left sits Jerem Jordan. And to Jerem's left is the new BYU basketball assistant coach, Cahill Fennell, making his BYU Sports Nation debut. Welcome to Studio B and BYU Sports Nation. Thank you. This is, uh, this is unbelievable. i got to match your guys' energy. You guys are fired up about Fridays. <laughs> We're fired about Boise Kickoff times. We just got, we just got two days off, Kale. So we, we <laughs> yeah. are making up. Got a lot Friday to talk about. Yeah, I got yeah, up my yeah. game here. All right, yeah, here we go. go. Well, we listen. Football blew up what we thought was going to be the you know the biggest you know Kale Finels. All right, let's go. And then we got times. We got you know, but it's fun that in in late May we're talking about all this stuff and we can talk some hoops. Let's talk some hoops. Absolutely, but not before we need to bury a hatchet. Okay, Hill, <laughs> you were. Born in Hawaii, raised a Hawaii fan, and you were very much not a BYU fan. 
Ty Detmer and company back in the day. Have have you moved past that emotionally? I, I've gotten past it emotionally as a whole. You know what I mean? I, I just want to be clear. It wasn't just a Ty Detmer thing. It was it was BYU football in general. It was Byron Rex. It was everybody. It was everybody all involved. the guys. Yeah. You know, I had a VHS tape of uh, BYU <laughs> playing San Diego State when Marshall Falk was there. Mm-hmm. Marshall Falk had like 299 yards. Oh, so I remember the, the game. 52, 52 tie, the crazy one, or a different game? It's, I think it it's, when, I think okay. it's it when they ran crazy and beat BYU. Okay. And beat BYU it would have been the year yes. before. I want to say yeah. like Walsh from Torrance was your quarterback? Yes. 93 that, probably. Yeah, 93. Right? Correct. I've watched it like 80 times. It was the best thing that I've ever seen. You're a San Diego State fan? Yeah. You were Anti-BYU fan. Anti-BYU fan. Well, the, the whack those in those days was amazing. Like, there was a sequence where Air Force is a top 10 program consistently. BYU, obviously. Hawaii had some tremendous teams. So, yeah, that rivalry was, was awesome. So, I feel like you glossed over UH. You're like, yeah, Air Force, San Diego State, and then Hawaii. They needed a few more whack <laughs> titles there, Kale, to really be mentioned in the top two. Fair enough. But that, that rivalry was awesome. We got it firsthand in 2019 at the Hawaii Bowl. Like, that's a real thing still in Hawaii. No like, question. And and BYU played in Hawaii two years ago in the Diamond Head, and you know, the the, the church's presence there is a thing. Like you know, you know absolutely, yeah. It runs culturally. Obviously, there's, there's a huge presence with with BYU and the university and the culture and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, that's a that's a very real thing for sure. Okay, so clearly you had an understanding when you took this job of what BYU is, what they represent, and you know, like it or not depending on where you were in your life, winning traditions, right? Now you join Mark Pope, who obviously wants to be a winner. Um, why was BYU the right fit for you at this point of your life and your coaching career? Yeah, I think it came at the perfect time for me personally and, and for my family. You know, with everything that happened at Louisville, um, it was a great four years, but it was also really, really challenging, especially down the stretch for this past season. Um, and when this opportunity became available, it was something that I had to jump at. Uh, fortunately, they reached out and we really, you know, Again, a dialogue, and um, we really see eye to eye, Coach Pope and I. I'm a huge fan of his. I really, really respect him and Nick and Cody, and I think they've done a fantastic job. And it's just a great spot. You know, the university, the culture, the community, it's special. And so uh, we're really excited to be here. Did you have a connection uh, to Mark before? or Because I know you were on Barrett Perry's staff. Barrett's from Payson nearby yeah. and connected to the community, right? And obviously growing up in Hawaii, you, you've connected in some way on the other side against BYU like we just talked about. But... What, what was it about this job and like Mark and this place that you were like, yes, I want to be there? Well, I didn't have a direct connection to Coach Pope, no. We have a mutual friend that kind of put us together during this whole hiring process, which was great. Uh, but it's really just kind of respecting it from afar. I, I know it sounds ridiculous, but I've honestly been watching BYU since I was a little kid. So I have a really strong familiarity with what the program is and what the culture stands for and the community stands for. Um, so none of it is like this jarring new concept to me, you know? So, um, and then it's just easy to respect the athletics programs and obviously men's basketball in particular. Uh, and then what Coach Pope has done in the past three years is fantastic. It's, it's really unprecedented here at the university. So um, easy, easy program and coach and staff to get behind, man. And uh, it spoke to me early from a, from a cultural community standpoint. And then obviously particular to the basketball program is something that gets us fired up. Did Big 12 influence you at all, knowing, hey, that's your way and the opportunity to be in the best basketball league in America? And you were in the ACC. That's saying a ton, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. That was a big, big part of it. Um, you know, going to the Big 12, you know, the belief in our ability to compete in the Big 12 right away, um, the belief in the staff, the belief in the university and the resources and the facilities. Uh, I think we can hit the ground running in the Big 12. I think we could be really, really competitive and compete for championships. So a former production assistant who used to work here, his name's Corey Aldis. He used to work at um, like a D two or three school, I want to say, and then he moved to Louisville this last year and started doing some 
content. And he told me, he, he was telling you like, hey, the facilities are really good out there. You, you may be surprised, right? What did you think when you came here knowing, hey, here's this school in the West Coast Conference, good tradition, but like, what, did, did anything surprise you on your visit out here? I mean, it sounds stupid to you guys, but the natural beauty is stunning. Like, it's, it's distracting almost. I was here with my wife during the interview process, and we missed our exit twice just because we're looking <laughs> at the mountains and the waterfalls. I mean, it's, it's unlike anything we've ever seen. I mean, Louisville's awesome, and Kentucky has some really beautiful parts, but there's nothing like this where you're, like, amongst the mountains. So um, the natural be- beauty is unbelievable, and you can just see it from everywhere, right, from my hotel room, from my office, and everything you do. So that's really, really cool. And then obviously the facilities here are, are as good as anywhere in the country. You know, they're as good as Louisville's, they're as good as anywhere in the ACC. Um, they're fantastic. That that facility that we work out in and and, uh, and our offices and all that kind of stuff is beautiful and it's modern and it's cool. Uh, and then obviously the arena's fantastic too. So, um, yeah, the facilities are top-notch. New BYU basketball assistant coach Cahill Fennell is with us on BYU Sports Nation. We'll talk about another connection you have to uh, a guy that's coming up on the newly revised roster in just a moment. But I want to ask you, if your role has been discussed specifically, because I know all assistants specialize in certain things, but how is your role going to impact this BYU basketball team most prominently? Yeah, I think you make a good point about assistants in general and different programs, but I think here with Coach Pope, it seems to be kind of like an all-for-one mm. scenario, right? We're all kind of pulling in the same direction. We're all helping in different facets of the program. Um, so obviously recruiting is something that we'll all try to really you know, prioritize, especially here to, uh, in this offseason as we try to finalize our roster. Um, and then player development and preparation and scouts and all those kind of things, we all share those things equally. So. Uh, it's not like I'm the workout guy or I'm the offensive guy. It's we're all, um, you know, playing our part and, and having our role within those uh, facets of the program. Do you have a love offense over defense? Is, is there one way you lean or are you kind of – are you right down the middle 50-50? I don't know if I'm right down the middle. I, I do like defense. I like playing defense. I was probably scared to shoot when I was a player, so I prefer defense <laughs> more. Um, but, yeah, I, I guess I would lean more towards the defensive end for sure. Okay, this is going to tell us a lot. Which office did they give you? You know, I think I, I think they gave me a little okadoke. So I, my door says Cody Figure. So I think Cody <laughs> took Chris Burgess's office for well, whatever reason. Well, That's well, well. Listen, the moment he leaves, it's fair game between yeah. those two, right? Yeah. And then I have the no gear. Guy. I have no office. Yeah. So it was. Uh, I, I think that. Hey, are you been. actually hired here? <laughs> <laughs> Am I really here? Uh, like, so, you getting paid? Like, yeah. It's all a trial period. Yeah. Um, yeah. But no, I I, I I have the middle office. So you have the middle office. So I don't okay. know what that means. That's probably like the the new guy, probably. Probably, right? absolutely. Because to me, the the corner office where you get you get the edge, your quick access to the barbecue. Yes. And you get uh, you all have a window. You make a great point. That's right? what Cody Fieger took. I I knew it. They used to have three point shooting contests to determine who got well, which office. Okay. When they first entered the building and it was all equal, <laughs> they had a shoot off. And Chris won. Dang it, I want equal treatment for Cahill right now. Chris won. That's all I want. Chris won because it was top of the key. And as a big man, he would he would just float spot. up there and there get you go. Okay, that told us a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> With how I'm viewed. <laughs> New guy, you earn your way to the other up. Okay, let's talk about the roster. You're well aware that BYU has uh, some more positions to fill in and that there are some spots, whether it be the transfer portal or new guys coming in or JUCO guys, uh, where is BYU basketball in relation to filling out the rest of their roster for the upcoming season and the finale tour of the West Coast Conference? I, I think 
you know, 30,000 foot view on the roster, I think we're in a really healthy spot. I'm excited about this group. We have some really talented players. We have some experience. Uh, we have a lot of shot making. Uh, we have some toughness and competitiveness, which is great. Uh, so I think when it comes to that aspect, we're, we're ready to go this year in the WCC. I'm, I'm fired up from that point. Um, as far as filling out the roster, I think we've made some terrific headway. These guys have done an awesome job recruiting before I got here. Um, I think you guys are going to be really excited about some of the dudes we bring in. Um, just more talented, high-level, high-character dudes that we're excited about. Um, and I think Coach Pope is going to show, as he has before, just a willingness to adapt and play in different styles and really cater to his, uh, not to his staff, but to his, uh, to his personnel. And I think we'll be really exciting to watch this year. When we uh, think about you getting an assistant coach job, you, you were an assistant at Louisville. You were a Dobo, as they say, director of basketball operations. You've been assistant elsewhere, right? I mentioned Portland State with Barrett Peary. Um, but you were you were in the medical device industry for ten years, like oh, pursuit of happiness style. Will Smith, <laughs> like no, I'm just like, <laughs> like, what, like how did you get into co- from that to coaching? Because coaching is a tough nut to crack and a year to year thing that can be quite stressful. But here you are at Louisville and now BYU, man. Yeah, no, it, it was a bear. So when I was done playing at the University of Redlands in Southern California, I, I got out of basketball completely. And I wanted to make money, basically. And I sold medical devices for 10 years. My first job was actually selling copiers door to door, which was awful. So I was living at my mom's house, and I was paying rent to my mom. And that was, that was probably rock bottom <laughs> in my professional career. Um, and then from there, I was fortunate to go to uh, sell pharmaceuticals. And then uh, I got promoted to uh, medical device sales, and I did that for a period of time. Um, and it was cool from a financial point of view and things like that, but I, I never really was passionate about it or truly enjoyed it. So uh, towards the end, I just wanted to do something that I was passionate about and it got me fired up, especially like on a Sunday night, right? It's like, what am I looking forward to on Monday? And it wasn't going into surgery and, and consulting for a case. So um, I just decided <laughs> to volunteer really on the side while I was selling medical devices. And uh, I applied like on monster.com or something like that for, uh, for an assistant JV coach. And as fate would have it, the guy that was supposed to be the head coach didn't pass his background check. And uh, I became the head JV coach uh, while I was selling medical devices. And I, I just loved it, man. Wow. I just was really, really fired up about it every single day. It meant the world to me. The kids meant the world to me. And that's, I decided that's what I wanted to do and walked away from that industry. What do you love about coaching? Like, why did you pay rent? you know, <laughs> to your mom do that, but then give, give up that, that life to, I want to do this. I want to volunteer at a high school. Yeah, I, I think the connection with young people and really try to get them from point A to point B, right? Whether it's high school, middle school, college, professionally, whatever, uh, specifically to college, like how can we help these young people and these student athletes maximize their time on campus, right? Like I want them to walk away from their time feeling like they were loved, like they were developed, they were taught something, they were held to a standard. Um, and I think if you can do that, you'll really change lives and impact people. Uh, so that's, that's massive for me. That's huge. Um, and then I want to win. I'm, I'm hyper competitive. So this is just another opportunity to beat mm. people and, and win every day. So uh, you b- blend those two things of helping people and beating people. It's, it's a good situation for me. Okay, Hill, let's finish with this. What experience do you have watching or participating in a game in the Marriott Center in that special environment? Zero. So have you heard the legends then about the BYU Rock, the student section? Are you prepared for what's about to happen? I'm prepared for the Rock. I'm fired up for the Rock. They look awesome in the clips and the highlights. It looks amazing. Um, they, they blow away some of the student sections in the ACC. It looks like an unbelievable environment. But I've never been into the Marriott Center for a game. The next level is to get Popeville. 
Popeville, I like that. That would be fun, right? <laughs> I dig that. Oh, I think we can do Pope's that. Pope's cronies in the tents. <laughs> For some of the big games, they, they'll camp out, right? Yeah. We just haven't named it anything. You know? I like that. There's something That's good. there. Yeah. There's there is something there. there. Can we get your signature? Yeah. When we have a right? new guest, we have him sign the, the uh, Sailor Coog flag behind right? him. We'll yeah, have you do so, that. Uh, just watch your step right there. Cahill yeah. <laughs> Fennell, brand yeah. new BYU basketball assistant coach. Formerly a BYU hater. Yes. Now he's a BYU guy. Now he's Let's official go. because he's autographing the Sailor Coog flag. I, That's awesome. The hatchet has been officially buried. <laughs> Shout out to Ty Dammer and the boys. I'm all in. We got our guy here. Thanks, Gil. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Cougar Whip Round presented by Marisk, your integrated container logistics company enabling global trade for a growing world. 24-7 Sports projects BYU versus Western Kentucky in the Hawaii Bowl. Okay. Is that better or worse than Appalachian State in the Myrtle Beach Bowl? Way better because it's Hawaii. Uh, let's see. Conway, South Carolina, and Redneck Vegas, and that teal field, or I don't know, Hawaii. Uh, yeah, I'll take Hawaii all day, every day. Depends what kind of opponent you want, but yeah, Hawaii. How much different will Western Kentucky be than Appalachian State? I know Appalachian State's been good the past few years, but are they that different than Western Kentucky in that type of bowl game? Hawaii all the time. According to the Deseret News, BYU football will move their 2023 non-conference game against Southern Utah from November 18th up to September 9th. Not a shocker. Jerem, would you rather play the FCS game early in a season or like the SEC juggernauts, a pseudo bye week late in the year. I don't mind it around kind of week three because if BYU has a really tough game in week one or two, you you create sort of a cushion as you get into that later. I would like it, uh, but I would prefer it kind of in the middle of conference play where you're a little more beat up and it's a pseudo bye week in that way. If you could space those out, that'd be great. BYU's had a few stretches in Independence where it was really hard playing three or four P5s in a row, a couple on the road where that was tough physically. BYU got injured. How many teams are capable or even able to schedule an FCS opponent in the middle of the season? That's just an independent, at right? SEC. Well, that, that's like late in the, the season. That's whatever. November. Oh, so you're saying you want it late in the season. Oh, ideally it'd be smack dab in the middle. Yeah, which yeah. can't happen. And, and the reality is BYU's just going to be told – uh, hey, these first three weeks are your non-conference schedule. I'm fine with it. I just don't want it to be game number one. I don't like yeah, game number no, no, one no, no, being no. against an FCS opponent. I want I want it to be a tough Power 5 team. Or week two. Like, week three would be fine for the FCS game. Yeah, more than likely, it's going to be... Uh, we th- well, again, my, my ideal schedule would be UNLV which is not, you know, super sexy on the schedule, but UNLV, then it's going to be Southern Utah, and then it's going to be a game at Arkansas before BYU goes into the Big 12. Uh, I wish we could have the SES game in between Arkansas and the Big 12, but that's that's not going to happen. We beggars here. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Blake Freeland posted a photo doing the Air Jordan post with some dope Jordan cleats. More impressive, the cleats of the post. He's a good basketball player. He's going back to his roots. He loves Air Jordan. Uh, I'm going to go with the pose. But really, you shouldn't be surprised. Like, it's it's impressive, but you shouldn't be surprised. Blake is a freak athlete. He was a quarterback in high school, 
and an outstanding bouncy basketball player. So I'm not shocked by this at all, knowing his backdrop. The pose is the most impressive to me. The pose is awesome. It's the cleats. Those cleats are super legit. Like, I have some shoes just like that, but cleats is next level. Like, that's awesome. And with the royal there, and with the lightning blue helmet, amazing. It's got to be the shoes. You going uh, Mars Blackman Mars on this? Mars Blackman. <laughs> got to be the shoes. Let's stay with basketball. At least from the pose to actual basketball. Three-star recruit and Utah Gatorade Player of the Year, Dallin Hall, returned from his two-year mission yesterday. Jerem, what are your expectations from Dallin Hall in his freshman season, an anticipated freshman season? The dunk on Drew Timmy and suddenly his mustache just disappears. Uh, the I, low expectations. I think uh, he could be a backup point guard on this team, perhaps. Um, I, I'm expecting him to be in the rotation, even though it's guard heavy uh, with experience and seniors, right? And super seniors. Um, I'm hoping he makes the WCC all freshman team. Sure. But uh, might be hard as a backup. We'll see what kind of minutes he's getting. But he's going to be a really good player. He's a Big 12 caliber player on the roster right now. Fully capable of making the West Coast Conference all freshman team for sure. Just a matter of how many minutes he's going to yep. get what his conditioning is like, but he's getting back, I feel, early enough to, you know, I mean, we're talking four months before the first game. Like, I think his conditioning will be okay. Um, 15 minutes a game, that's probably what I'm expecting him to yeah. play. So returning now means in January he'll start to be really effective. That's the hope. Sure. Physically. Yeah. He could be effective earlier, but it may dwindle based on mission legs and whatever later. BYU and San Diego State extend their hoop series for two more years. What other non-conference basketball series would you like to see BYU keep in the Big 12? Um, just give me the in-state games. Make sure that the game against Utah happens every year and the game against Utah State happens every year. And throw in Weber State as well. I like the in-state games a lot. I think that it's beneficial for both programs, not having to travel a ton. BYU can do a lot of traveling in the Big 12, so if you can play in-state games and keep those alive, I'm all for that. I'd be okay with Weber State. It's got to be, um, well, in well. You're hoping it's quad two and they're a good season. You can go on the road there. As a Big 12 team, uh, does BYU go to Ogden and play a basketball game? I wonder. Um, you're rewarded for tougher non-conference schedules. But yeah, those are the only two. San Diego State, I love. I want to play San Diego State almost every year. Um, at some point, we'll fatigue of that, perhaps. But uh, yeah, that's the one. I, like That's the Boise State football game where it was like, yeah. hey, that made sense. Now that BYU's in the Big 12 football, don't want... Boise State, don't really feel like we need Utah State anymore. It's Utah, and it's maybe another Power 5 if we want, G5. So we'll, we'll see, man. Yeah, maybe a Pac-12 school, or uh, I like Boise State in basketball, too. It's a program that's pretty good. I wouldn't mind BYU playing that relatively close opponent in basketball. Yeah, maybe, sure. Uh, you mentioned Drew Timmy a moment ago, and the image of Dallin Hall dunking on him and his mustache going away. So. Well, I've got great news, Jerem. Drew's coming back for another year with Gonzaga. It's official, which led to this tweet last night from at Drew Timmy 2. This is incredible. I'm back. Then college basketball Blue Bloods at Blue Bloods Bias tweeted, I was born and raised in San Francisco. My grandfather used to tell me stories about San Fran Man. What? A goblin with a mustache that travels to the Bay Area when San Fran is playing. He scores 30 points and then disappears until his next West Coast Conference game. What? <laughs> do you believe in the San Fran Man Goblin? I do. I do. It was Matthew Delvedel. <laughs> That's who it was. It's not Drew Timmy? <laughs> no. Uh, too tall. Too noticeable. Did Matthew Delvedel have a mustache? 
I don't really care. Because the San Fran Man Goblin is specifically to have a mustache in, in, in my, this tweet. In my mind, anything weird or crazy or whatever probably had something to do with Mavdelvado. Are mustaches cool again, especially because of uh, uh, Rooster and Top Gun Maverick? Like, now is it official? Mustaches well, are back. They're not. They're not the things 40 years ago. Again, we got to be careful of worshiping a decade that was four ago. Must our mustaches back? No. In a, <laughs> in a word, heck no. Does this post from Big Game Boober deserve a yellow card? The final best. College softball game uh, team in every state. Weber State got the nod for Utah. Mm. Your thoughts? Uh, yeah. Clearly, BYU is the best team in the state. But here's what happened. Big Game Boomer looked at the teams that made the NCAA tournament yeah. and defaulted to that. Weber State made the NCAA Default. tournament. Like, they were a good team out of the big sky. Right? Wyoming. Great, great team. But, like, because BYU did not make the tournament and Weber State did, like – that, that was his determining factor there. He's not looking at RPI and, like, schedules. Like, it's a yellow card, right? It's a, it's a yellow card. Yellow card. Um, does this Talk to m- us, Big Game mean, Boomer. You got to be better. Does this mean that Big Game Boomer is banned from the show until two, uh, Monday? Is that what we've decided? Yeah. We're giving him a one-day suspension. Tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. No Big Blue Game Volume Boomer. Seven? No, no Big, Big Game, Game Boomer talk. mentioned until at least Monday. Yep. In the Deep Blue Volume 7, which is pre-recorded. Big Game Boomer will not make That's what we like. Are you sure? I was the one that hosted it. Are you sure I didn't go BGB in there? (laughs) The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The Cougar Whip Ramp presented by Marisk, your integrated container logistics company enabling global trade for a growing world. Hey, you can get over the air in the state of Utah with yeah. Rabbiters. Yeah, yeah. KBYU. <laughs> Thanks. They're like, finally, someone mentioned us. There's nothing more compelling in May than a bull projection. Woo! So... Thanks, Rick Flair. College Football News projects the Cougs to play Appalachian State in the Myrtle Beach Bowl. Are you interested in a return trip to Conway, South Carolina after the Coastal Carolina game in 2020? No, I am not. No. You want to switch if it, that's the bowl game? I'll go. I mean, what why do don't they, we both go? What did, yeah. What did, then I can the show. show you around yes, Conway. Yes. What did they call it? Oh, it's <laughs> Redneck. It's, it's, it's Redneck Vegas? Redneck Vegas. R- Redneck the Redneck Riviera. Riviera or the Redneck <laughs> Vegas. And they embrace it, baby. Wait, I They thought, embrace it. I thought Redneck Vegas was uh, Nashville with Broadway and is it not? Myrtle Beach. Can we say that in 2022? That's what they call They embrace it. That's what they call it. They Just because they call it that no, doesn't mean was, we can. There was no offense given or taken. I asked, like, is that a kosher? They're like, oh, yeah, totally. We love it. I was like, okay. We, the official Fair enough. spokesman for this uh, group. The only good thing about this, it's December 19th, and it's warm there. Yeah. So, yeah, but I want nothing to do with BYU playing on that teal field again. No. Please, no. They got to come on a Wednesday to Provo. Let's go. Please, no. App State's a good program. Don't want BYU to play them on that teal field. Bad memories. No. Bad juju. Chop down. Six feet nine, 320 pounds, Corbin Kafusi showing off his hands, making a nice catch for the Tampa Bay Bandits of the USFL over the okay. weekend. Mm. But he's done this before, Jerem. Which catch by Corbin was better? His catch for the Bandits or his catch against Utah in 2016 on a fake field goal? Oh! 
up at Rice Eccles Stadium. Okay, catch, catch is with the Bandits. Yes. Moment is against Utah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and that that's, was really that's, fun. that's That's fake field goal. That's to get inside the red zone. My favorite that's, part of that play is, is that, Jake Oldroyd gearing up to just get rocked. Yes. Is that Garrett Jurgens, not Mitch? Oh, was, it, was it Mitch or Garrett? Eighty-seven. Eighty-seven was was, was Mitch. that Mitch? Okay, that's Mitch. Mitch yeah. Just making sure. Garrett was in the twenty because he was a defensive back. He was twenty-three. Yes. <laughs> that was a test. You passed. <laughs> All right, let's keep it rolling. Doctor Billy Nixon, uh, director of BYU football operations, tweeted the official name of the new royal helmets as lightning blue. Yep. What do you think? I think they're fantastic. I've seen them with my own eyes. Uh, they are shiny and shimmery and just beautiful. It's probably my favorite BYU helmet oh, wow. to date. Wow. The shiny it? royal blue is awesome. It's amazing. It just it just screams BYU. I love, love it. it. No, I, I love a royal helmet. I love what they did last year. I love what they're doing this year with the lightning blue. I don't care how you spell it. It's I right. can't wait to see it. And I'm hoping they do this uniform combination. I think they will. For the royal blue pants, the white jersey, and that lightning blue royal helmet. Of course they will. They have, oh. a, ton, they have a ton of different options. It's what they do. did yeah. against USC, but against USC it was the matte royal. Yeah, this the is the lightning di- is blue, different. like the shiny royal. Oh, it's going to look so nice. I, yeah. Let's just call it the shiny blue. Shiny, shiny blue. It's shiny. What is that? <laughs> the official? Shiny. I didn't say describe it. <laughs> I said, what's the name? <laughs> Lightning blue is is an accurate description. It's beautiful. Yes, because it just, whoo, it is shiny. It's beautiful. The BYU store is now offering a mini version of the BYU football equipment truck with a friction-powered motor. Does it need to come with mini Hal and Feelys, the drivers of the truck? Yes, Hal and Feelys should be in it too. No, uh, that's awesome. This feels like an amazing stocking stuffer, although we're not close to Christmas. Friction-powered motor. Basically, you uh, wind it back and let go. Um, Yeah, that's going to be awesome. I love it. I think this is great. See, the friction-powered motor, I was first really introduced to that in something called Darda. The Darda car, D-A-R-D-A. German-powered. They were like yeah. they were like the friction powered motor, but uh, with no governor, <laughs> so it just goes just zoomed. so fast. Yeah, love yes. it. Yes, look it up, friends. It's an elite toy. Like Hot Wheels on steroids. Yes, or something? absolutely. Nice. Time for top five Tuesday. To top five BYU baseball plays of the season presented by Delta Airlines. Let's give a look back to the boys of summer, even though they didn't technically play in summer. It was winter at first, and then spring. May 17th against the Utah Utes. Mitch McIntyre has not one, but two diving catches in center field against Utah. First closed out of the first inning. Check this out. Boom. And then the second came at the top of the eighth. He is so good in center field. He was fun to watch. BYU career is over now. We'll miss him in center field. Yes, we will miss Mitch McIntyre. He was a multiple uh, Sports Center top 10 lister. That's pretty good. In his career at BYU. Awesome. Unbelievable defender. Number four. None other than Brock Watkins, Pleasant Grove High School represent. Home run against Pacific. He hit the ball so hard, the ball decided to go all the way to the steps of the Marriott Center. That's legendary status in baseball lore in BYU. That's with Corey Snyder. Tony Gwynn did it from San Diego State here. Like, look at that. Amazing. Two hops to the stairs at the Marriott Center. Now, if you make it up the steps, they'll retire your jersey on the spot. That's uh, what I heard. The home run also gave BYU a 6-3 lead in the sixth. That was a success. <laughs> who, who for 
freaking cares what matter. the score was in doesn't, that inning. It doesn't matter, right? That's and, why it's uh, an afterthought. It was on a 2-1 oh, pitch. Uh, <laughs> number three, March 3rd, home Ask opener Giannis. against Milwaukee. <laughs> no, don't do it. Don't do it. Freshman Colin Ritter hit the home run as the Cougar. <laughs> if you know, you know. With one out in the eighth to break the five-run tie, score the game winner for the Cougars' sixth straight win. And it was on a 1-0 pitch. <laughs> There's the afterthought, right? The afterthought. It was on a 1-0 pitch. And it was a, a breaking point. Number two. BYU down 2 nothing in the seventh against Dixie State, soon to be Utah Tech. Mm-hmm. One out. They needed a lift. They needed a hero. Oh, a lift, They got you Brock say. Watkins. Oh, a lift, you Home say. run over the right field fence to bring in Chase Peterson and Ozzie Pratt. Gave BYU a 3-2 lead. They'd hold on to win by that game. A game winner for Brock Watkins late. And that was during BYU's lengthy win streak as well. Yeah. He had a few Gatorade baths this season. Oh, that, oh that's chilly. Or green Powerade, I should say. Powerade bath. Uh, yeah, this is a Powerade school. Yeah. Careful there. Powerade bath. And the number one play of the baseball season, according to us. May 12th, the rally cap game. Look at that. Look at that. That's like 28 pounds of hat. It went to 12 innings against the University of the Pacific. Yep. Two out. Running on first and second. Pinch hitter Jacob Rogers gets the game-winning hit in the center field. Mitch McIntyre scores the walk-off winner for an 8-7 win on the only game that BYU TV didn't do all year. And it happened to be a 12-inning <laughs> walk-off win on ESPN. The crew was extremely grateful they were not on the game that you night. You threw out the first pitch of this I game. did. And yeah, yeah, I threw out the first pitch. Good Very point. Nice. I, I just yeah, forgot yeah. about that. Our question of the day. Back to BYU football. Which combination of time and TV? Is it greater TV? than Alabama Notre Dame's history? <laughs> Who has the better history? Yeah. Alabama or Notre Dame? No. Our question. Which combination of time and TV channel do you like the most for the 2022 BYU football schedule? Our elite voice of the day, presented by Sundance Mountain Resort from at Uncle Drew LaRose, says. So does that make the Utah Tech game a big one? Because oh. you can watch it with rabbit ears on KVYU channel. <laughs> In Utah, parts of Idaho, no- Nevada, Wyoming. You can stream it worldwide, baby, and you don't have to pay anything for it. This just no in. extra package necessary. Anyone with the internet, it's worldwide. Yep. Yeah. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. As always, what's trending presented by Bodyguards. Protection for a life worth living. Learn more at bodyguards.com. Jerem, we are stirring the pot today. Go. We are starting to see these trends. A dreads and honor code violation. That's our question of the day. We are beginning to see these trends develop on social media where you take a group, a group of great things, and you're like, okay, you got to get rid of some of these. And yeah. it's like, and it's hard. I don't want to. I, I want, I want it all. I want it yes. now. So we're joining the trend today. Let's go. Make you, it. We liken it unto ourselves. You have to erase three games from the existence of BYU football. Oh, that's difficult. We have listed out twelve epic. Epic games. Yep. Let's, let's list it. You have to remove three yep. to keep the nine. <laughs> okay? Mm-hmm. So which three are you removing? We'll start with Beck to Harleen, 2006, BYU at Utah. The Manga Miracle, BYU at Nebraska in 2015. The win over number one ranked Miami to launch Ty Detmer's Heisman campaign in, in 1990. The Miracle Bowl with Jim McMahon. 2009 overtime walk-off winner, Hall to George, and in that same season, to begin, 
number 20 BYU upsets number three Oklahoma and the reigning Heisman Trophy winner Sam Bradford. Okay, Jerem, take us to the back half of this 12. 1984 Holiday Bowl, win over Michigan. 97 Cotton Bowl, the win over Kansas State. 01 Utah, Woo! Doman to Staley. 21 Utah, snapping the streak. The day after the Big 12 announcement. 83 Holiday Bowl, Missouri. Steve Young, dancing in the end zone. A late pass there to him. 2019 Tennessee. First off, uh, this only cometh after much fasting and prayer. Okay, this is this is this is a hard one. A lot of back and forth this morning. 2019 Tennessee goes off the board quickly for me. That was an awesome win, but when compared to the others, it, it it's not the same. Okay. okay. Oh, and this then this is where I get real hard, real hard. I'm so sorry, Steve. I'm taking 83 Missouri off the board. I'm really? Sorry. I'm taking that one off the board. I'm sorry. I love the Hail Mary with Mangum. I like like ones that are non-negotiable. Back to Harleen, yes. Miami, Miracle Bowl, yes. uh, 84 Holiday, yes. 97 Cotton. Like, no question. Like, okay. not even close. Okay. okay. Those stay. Yes, bold them so we know. I'm bolding bolding them our, as we're doing in this. Our, in our uh, Google Doc. <laughs> Peek behind the curtain. So there are, there are five that are yeah, non-negotiable. Non-negotiable. Okay, so I've eliminated two. The third one I do, because it's hard to eliminate a win versus Utah. But I'm going to do it. This one was not as dramatic. It was in control. Yes, I know it snapped the streak, but I'm doing 21 Utah. You're getting rid I'm taking 21 of the Utah greatest off. weekend in BYU football history. Yeah, you didn't say win versus Utah game there. You said weekend. Okay, it's the combination. So the Utah win streak is still alive. You take that one off the board. We about to end it. Uh, you know, in two years, whatever. No. Yes. I I I love 09 like Max Hall's final home game. I hate Utah. I hate their fans. Okay. That whole thing. Okay. I I love that. I really do. Oh uh, one Utah special game. Undefeated uh, team down eleven to six minutes ago. Incredible. Um, you, you know, and you, you can't you can't lose this. The win over Oklahoma, huge. Whole nation watched that game. BYU flies into the top ten at that point. Those are my three, and it's extremely difficult. It is very, so, very difficult. So hard, but so fun, right? Yeah. Okay. What you as, got? As much as it pains me, because I was there at Rocky Top, and it was incredible. It's it just incredible. It's just not, like, when we're talking about Miami and Oklahoma, they're, like, in the top five at the moment. Yes. You know what I mean? Mind, like, like program-defining, program-changing yes. yes. type of wins. That's the first one that kind of sticks. Yeah. yeah, 2019, the experience of it all and the improbability of it was incredible. Uh, the atmosphere, you know, almost yeah. 100,000 fans, SEC, like, yeah, that one goes for me. Okay, okay so 2019 is you're, off the board. He's now six and six. Off the board. <laughs> still, <laughs> still going to a bowl game. <laughs> still excited to lose to Hawaii. Okay, so that one's <laughs> off the board. I, I know I'm going to get some flack for this one. Sure. But, ah. Probably 2001 Utah. Oh! Dome into Staley. How dare you? Yeah, that one's probably off the board. Why? Uh, one, I wasn't there. <laughs> Wait, so it's about whether it your butt's in For the me, abso- absolutely. <laughs> and how did that season finish? 12-0. and 0. I don't remember the last two, two games. What happened? 12-2. and 2. Wait, what? It got what? BYU to, at that time, it was 11-0 and 0 because they had to go play Mississippi State, and then yeah. Luke Staley broke his leg. Yeah, that's 2001 off off the board. For if you me. tell me Luke Staley doesn't break his leg, if BYU doesn't play that game or loses it, I might take that. Okay, you know what I mean? Sure. Yeah, sure. But we don't have. We're talking program defining, like program Is there a changing. Where Luke Staley doesn't break his leg in 2001 in the multiverse? An alternate universe, in multi- yes, in the multiverse. So we have a name for it. it. It wasn't like we're talking about program defining. That's like, how you look at it. Yes. Well, then 84 pitch should be on this list. 
You know what I mean? 80, I wanted 84 Pitt on the list. Yeah. I was I was yeah. voted off the island in that regard. But they were 3-7-1 and one that year. They death stick. It launched the national championship campaign, but we at least had the 84 Holiday Bowl in there. Non-negotiable. Okay? Yeah. So 0-1 oh, Utah. Yeah. No question. 0-1 Utah because of how that season finished off the board. BYU had won Lavelle's last miracle the year before, whatever. But, but Utah. Okay. So there's one more but that you, needs to come off the list. Which what what is it? And man, I have you decided right now? I'm, have you yeah. already decided? Yeah, I have, but now I'm second guessing it. I know. I was like, have you not decided? Like, I'm, and that's I'm, okay. I'm almost second guessing it. We just have uh, time to. I can't. I can't do it. I can't do it to my guy Steve Young. I can't do it. Okay, so what I, are you doing? I, I was gonna take off. Well, tell 80, me what you're I not doing. I tell can't me what do it doing. to you, Steve. I did it to you, Steve. Oh man, Jeremy, I'm, I'm probably gonna go with another Utah game, 2009. Let me guess, because you weren't there. No, I was there. Oh, the was, butt, your butt was in the seat. I was there. I was there. You're it, taking away that, 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 that yes. win, the only overtime yeah. win, the Max Ho- Max Hall had already beaten Utah twice, or like BYU had beaten, well, once. he beat him he once. He beat him once. He beat him once. He'd already beaten him. That's me, by the way, in the blue and the hood. He'd already beat him. Go, roll and, it back and pause it. And I'll Max, show you where I am. Let's, listen, the Max Hall curse Hi, Max. doesn't get started if we take away that game. I don't believe that it was a Max Hall curse. <laughs> Maybe... The nine-game losing streak doesn't happen if it, whatever. Take it out the board. But that win was so good. I know it was I great, know. but it like, wasn't what? even his final game. He destroyed Oregon State in the Las Vegas Bowl. Who cares about Oregon State? They okay. were P five, not motivated in a bowl game. We're about to. Be I that can't. Team, yeah. So. It's, so I thought I was going to take eighty three and Steve off, but I, I can't do that. Uh, the Manga Miracle didn't have a great impact on a season. No, but that's a great. But it play. was incredible, and it ruined Nebraska's forever long non conference win streak at home. I don't care about that as much as I care about streak. this just being awesome. Yes, like, the Taysom month- Hill Tanner Mangum, like just the whole thing was a was a storybook finish. Yeah, it was a movie. It's not about the opponent and their record always. Like it can be a great play. Agreed. When, when, Agreed. Because like beating six and five this Michigan epic. by itself doesn't matter. They were six and too five. epic. But it's because BYU is undefeated and ends up number one and wins the holiday bowl and wins the national championship, obviously. Like, so you can pick and choose what context you want to use whenever you want to use it. That's fine. When we made the top 100 plays, and yeah. we, we were two of three executive producers on that, we decided that a great play with great context was the great, some of the greatest plays ever. If you had both, <laughs> then it was the ultimate play kind of thing. Like Some of these games are like, like great wins, like the context isn't as great. Or great context and the win was whatever. It, it depends. Back to Harleen is both, right? It's Utah, and they were good, and it's BYU, and it's the last set, and it's like, boom, no question. Yeah, it's because this, yeah, non-negotiable. This play is, to some, the greatest play in BYU history. To others, the second greatest play in BYU history. I just got a text no message. No one can say this is the third greatest. I'm get- it's one or two. I'm sorry. I'm getting hate already. I just got a text message you from my brother. You getting hate mail? My brother, he Who, said, Trev? how dare you take 2009 <laughs> Trev? <laughs> yeah. Nice. What's up, Trev? Yeah, you can't take off on that. Yeah. Yeah. I, you, you this get rid is of so fun like, slash hard. Like, yeah. the, the Steve dance, like, it was his, it was I his know. culminating moment. I know. why you finished number seven in the country that me, year. It let, set up 84. I know. Let me tell you why this one, uh, th- like, this. Let's Steve, th- I kept let, it for you, bro. Let's. Hey, Max, he cut you. No, no, no. Max is in there. You cut Oklahoma. 09. Max is in there with Oklahoma. You cut his greatest Ma- moment. Max is in there already with Oklahoma. You cut his greatest moment. Is is the win over Utah's greatest yes, moment, or is a, it Oklahoma? No, it's his greatest moment. Yeah, it's beating it's Utah in that manner. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I told you this was controversial. This is great. Yeah. What what else do you get rid of? Like I don't. Tw- I, people like, people would probably say, oh, what? Get rid of the game against Utah last year. Really? You want? You want? I got rid of it. 
I got rid you, of it. Because it, you want it, you want the Pac-12 South banner gone. You want it all already is gone. gone. The whole is it up right now? The whole national rhetoric. The whole national rhetoric of BYU dominating the Pac-12 gone. I don't think that was just Wilner and us. <laughs> it wasn't a national. Are you thing. kidding me? No, Stuart Mandel. Like oh, every, yes. Oh no! Like tw- oh no! It was only well if the there game were like ten people. Hold on. In are that. we eliminating Reece it? Davis. Reese Davis was in. Are on we that. eliminating it, or does it, or is it a loss? If you take it away. Because we're saying eliminate. So there is no loss. Because oh. <laughs> <laughs> if it's a loss, that's different. If it's just oh, gone. Oh, my goodness. BYU's 4-0 still. Probably played a winnable it's FBS. It's gone from existence. It's gone 4-0 the versus Big the Big 12 Pac-12. weekend we did culminated it. by the win against Utah. Let's be honest. We didn't We didn't uh, need – we just needed a win against anybody, and it would have been good. Oh, yeah. no, man. Then the losing streak still exists against Utah. Boo-hoo. 09 Utah is a sacred game in BYU history, dude. It I'm really not saying is. it's not. Yeah. Well, you're saying it's less sacred <laughs> than 21. Is it? <laughs> That's like which, fantastic English. Let's play this with which books from the Book of Mormon are you taking out? It's like they're all good. <laughs> don't take out Book of Jerem, please don't. 15 verses. Oh boy. 15 verses. I, why Jer- did we shout do out this? to my guy Jerem Brown at Ernie Sports Daily. Here's the great news. Uh, in reality, you don't have to get rid of any of these. It's fantastic. That, that is the they great news. They all happened, they and could, it's not going away. When the dust settled, we realized we did not have not power going away. to go back in time and eliminate any of these. Okay. So we're good. Let's hear from you, BYU Sports Nation. Which <laughs> games do you hate the most? <laughs> in Voice of the Nation. <laughs> this is The Voice of the Nation. On BYU Sports Nation. Ooh, man, this is tough. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I leaned done to me. Are you kidding me, Jim? 83, Steve Young. Touchdown on a flea flicker from Eddie Stinnett. Steve Young, keep it. I love the play, too. I just have to take three out here. It's hard. Man, oh, man. What are you going to take out? What if someone's like, back to Harleen, Miami, and the Miracle Bowl? Those are the three I lose. It's like, you know what? You're officially banned from BYU Sports Nation. We could, we could do a list of, like, 10 or 12 of just games wins against Utah. Let's do let's do the some of the like, worst plays in BYU history and do the same thing. Where we're like, crap, we have to keep you nine have of to these. Keep nine of these. <laughs> he, heaps Butterball 2011. <laughs> Beck 05, San Diego the, State. One of the Taysom Hill yeah. injury plays. No, we're not doing injuries. Johnny, Johnny Lennon, 19. 19. Yeah. We're not doing injuries, though. No, no, no. no. That's like two. You have to keep serious. nine of these. You get to you get to remove three of them. Congratulations. Which nine are you keeping? <laughs> Gerald Nichols on Instagram says, go. if anyone takes away the 1984 Holiday Bowl, yeah. they are banned from Cougar Tales for life. Hey, man, I get it. I would take away 2019 Tennessee. That's like consensus, it feels like, with okay. people. Yeah. So it was between that and 84 Pitt. And anyway, there were some other. Like, that, 84 Pitt's not on clearly, our list. That's yeah. clearly number 12 in this, right? Yeah. 2019 Tennessee. Yes. He's, he would also take away 2009 OU. So no win over Sam Bradford in mm. Oklahoma to open up that season. They were 8-5. They were good. Like, Pitt in 84 was 3-7-1. They were terrible. But, yes, that launches you in. You hope that team's not as good as their record because if they are, you probably aren't winning. He would also take away the Mangum Miracle. More people have been saying that. Yes. I'm surprised by that one. Like, oh, we already had a Hail Mary in 80. We're good. Like, your Hail Mary quota has been checked for 42 the context, years. The context of that game with Taysom Hill having to leave – and in comes Tanner Mangum. Yeah. Helmet doesn't even fit. Chuck it up. Like that, that, the whole storyline is epic. Like, BOA fans, we could make a movie about that game, like yeah. about that buildup. Gosh, I wish we worked at a, like a media company that could do that. 
Now, uh, I don't know if it's, I think it's Gerald. Yeah, it's either Jarrell or Jarrell. Jarrell, okay. Like, is it Jerome or There's Jarell? only one Jarell. R. So, A-A-Ron? Gerald. I think you? it's Gerald. Anyway, he adds, those games, Tennessee, Oklahoma 2009, and the Manga Miracle, have asterisks by them for weaker teams. Mm, Michigan 84 was a weak team, so careful there. But it, it, that culminated the national championship. Right, but you can't say this is your context and then not acknowledge your context. <laughs> but, 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 but. It's like, yeah, Michigan wasn't good. Like, one score game against a bad team. Like, it happened. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. It is our pleasure to welcome in one of our favorites, former BYU football standout, Hans Olsen, yeah. who is also a big-time radio personality what host in Salt Lake City. Yeah, what shock up? is all around. Hey, Hans, uh, you stole the show yesterday on social media in the BYU universe with a stunt that you'll never live down. You balanced... A ladder that had a bike on top of it on your chin, and your son documented all of it, and now he's picking up, well, dog poop for the rest of the summer because he didn't think you could do it. All right, ma'am. How did this all how did this all come about? Well, number one, I'm never gonna lose to my son. Number two, (laughs) I did the math. I've got two dogs. They go about twice a day. So we've got four duties per day. We go about 100 days through summer. That's 400 duties. And I thought to myself, I'm not picking up all that. So how am I going to sucker my son into this? I actually sharked him a bit. I put the ladder up there, and I was wobbly, and I'm like, oh, man, I don't know if I can still do it anymore. And he's like, oh, shit, I told you you were supposed to be better than this. I was like, hey, look, here's the deal. You want to get serious about this, I'll throw this bike on top of the ladder, and I'll put it on my chin, but you're going to be doing doggy duty all summer long he took the bet i put the ladder up i still got it man i, I, I still got it I, still got it I, I am gonna go for two bikes because now he's put on the line that he'll mow the lawn through the entire summer wow that might be worth it too. hold on shouldn't be he be mowing the lawn during the entire summer as well i'm just thinking back to my youth uh, you know my stepdad's like hey this is your thing i was like all right so uh that young man is uh, very <laughs> active in sports wrestling camps he's football gone camps. i get it he's just He's gone. So what is going to happen is he's going to do this at night. <laughs> he's going to so have double duty. It's going to be do, tough for him. Do you wish David Letterman still had the late show? Because you could have totally been on that, right? Like, didn't, did you do well, this at BYU? So ask Duff Tittle about this next time you talk to him. He was trying to get me on David Letterman's uh, <laughs> crazy people tricks or whatever. Yeah, stupid ESPN human tricks. The yeah. magazine. ESPN, the magazine came in and they were like, so you got this, this guy that's kind of a weirdo. And Dub's like, yeah, he's a real weirdo. And they're like, how weird. And he's like, you could put a dog on top of a table and bounce it on his chin. And, <laughs> and there I was, uh, the full spread in the middle of ESPN, the magazine, balancing a dog on top of a table on my chin. It was, <laughs> Oh, that's was awesome. Crazy. That's amazing. Hans Olsen, yeah, 
former BYU defensive and NFL defensive lineman with us on BYU Sports That's Nation. That's all we want to talk about. Thanks, Hans. Appreciate it, man. He's got an incredible... Thanks, thanks for the time, guys. <laughs> <laughs> He's got incredible amounts of talent. And a shout-out to your son, Tommy Rock Olson, as well, for recording all of that. Social superstar. Yes, and giving us this incredible topic on June 1st of 2022. Okay, Hans, uh... In less important matters, we are looking at what Mel Kuyper has revealed recently on ESPN and some ESPN Plus content, that he has four different BYU football players in their respective top tens and positions going into next year's NFL draft, which has us thinking, okay, is BYU pacing for something that they've never done before? I mean, in the modern era, the most draft picks have had in the single draft is five. They tied that in 2020. Are we pacing for a record-breaking something in 2023? Uh, I we we may may tie the record. I, I think I've got four guys that if the draft were to happen tomorrow, I think that they would be drafted and they'd be, probably be drafted pretty well. You know, fourth maybe fifth round for Clark Barrington. But I've got four guys that I really think would go tomorrow if the NFL draft were to happen. And then I've got a mix of four other guys that would be in the conversation. Uh, I don't think they've done quite enough right now. I think there's still too many questions on them to say that they would go right now. But I've got four guys I think would go tomorrow if the draft happened. Name names. All right, we'll start with Jaron Hall. I think that Jaron's done enough as a quarterback to impress the NFL scouts that he's a draftable quarterback. And there's there's a couple reasons for that. Um, number one, I think that he's more of a pocket threat than what most people give him credit for. Uh, number two, he can still throw well on the move. So he doesn't have to move to hit with accuracy. He doesn't have to move to hit with depth. He can throw from the pocket, and that's what I think most NFL GMs really want. Now, you do want to have the ability to throw in the mix of, of a little bit of movement, and Jaron can give that to you. So Jaron still can prove a lot, and I think he can move up the board more. But I think he's a draftable quarterback right now. I think that BYU's got two draftable offensive linemen right now. Clark Barrington is probably a fifth or sixth round pick, but I think he would go. I think he's aggressive enough of a guard. I think he's durable. I think he's nasty. He's a grinder. He's really good at pass sets, great in double teams, fantastic on backside cuts and all those things. So love what Clark Barrington can do. I think that James Freeland is probably the most draftable athlete in the state of Utah. Oh, yeah. Blake Freeland, yes. he might be a top 15 pick. Legit. Well, so I, I do want to throw this out there because uh, when I saw Blake Freeland's measurables coming in as a freshman and I saw his flexibility, his mobility, his movements, and then the fact that he was a quarterback now moving to offensive tackle, that that is a – you never see that. Like, you never see an offensive tackle that has experienced what it's like to be hit on the blind side. And, and an offensive tackle that understands quarterback pocket movement so if, if I'm getting a quick rush and I take my guy all the way deep, I know if I give him just this little extra shove that the quarterback can step in the pocket, make the throw. I have a really good understanding of what the quarterback needs in that pocket. So you've got something really unique. Plus, he's got gorilla-length arms. I, I don't know. He's Whatever his wingspan is, got to be close to seven feet. And he's got that insane height. He's got great mobility and flexibility. And he's got really good strength. He could He could improve on his strength. And he could probably improve on a few areas, but I think that Blake Freeland is uh, a big-time pick. And then the last one that I've got uh, slotted is Puka Nakua. I think that Puka is primed and ready to have a breakout season, and I'm expecting that from him. 
this year. I expect Puka to have a big year. Now, defenses are going to key on him, and they play some good defenses. So defenses are going to key on him, and that's why you've got to have a guy like Gunnar Romney who's keeping teams honest. And I expect that from Gunnar. I expect that from guys like Dallin Holker and, and other offensive threats that BYU's going to have. To take some of the pressure off Puka so that Puka can have the season he should and needs to have. But I, I think that he's a draftable athlete with his speed. I, I think Samson was just on the outside of the draft, just barely. Uh, I think Puka is going to be on the inside. Hans Olsen of the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, fantastic radio host, former NFL and BYU football standouts with us on BYU Sports Nation. Okay, you referenced the four that you feel like are would be drafted tomorrow. I'm looking at guys like Peyton Wilgar, uh, Maybe a Keenan Peely. I know Malik Moore is getting a little bit of uh, additional interest. Um, Isaac Rex is a Max guy that Julie. Mel Kuyper really likes. Yeah, like yeah. who who's who are the guys that are just on the outside that could really make a name for themselves and and push themselves into the draft? Well, believe it or not, I think an uh, offensive lineman, even like Joe Tukawafu, is probably right there on the board. Did you guys know? Like everybody makes fun of Britton Covey for how long he played in college football. I believe that Joe Tukawafu was a 2014 recruit. 2014. <laughs> Britton Covey's like, whoa! Yeah. Britton's like, hey, talk about this guy. But if Joe can stay healthy, I, I know that his age is going to be a problem, but I actually think he's got the skill sets that make him uh, a possible NFL offensive lineman. You know, we talked about Gunnar Romney. Gunnar Romney could get into the discussion. Uh, I love Max Tooley's aggressiveness. I just think that Max needs to improve on some of his responsibilities. You know, I think that I mentioned Dallin Holker. Dallin Holker is that new age type tight end that, that could be a possibility. Um, you mentioned Keenan Peely. I think that Keenan Peely's um, uh, injury history is going to be a problem, but I think that he could find his way through. Pepe Tonobasa is a guy that I've got a lot of respect for. You mentioned Peyton Wilgar. If Peyton Wilgar stays healthy and has himself a good season, he's, he's certainly in that conversation. So you've got you know, you've probably got 10 guys or so that are that are in that conversation as uh, as being draftable. But in reality, if it's more than four, I'd be I'd be pretty shocked. But I expect four. Yeah. And listen, we're going to go back to this era. Uh, we're going to look at the 2018-19 season, say those were puppies. BYU went seven and six, seven and six. They were building for 11 and one, 10 and three. This year, we think BYU could win 10 again. We're going to go back and go, oh, my gosh. Look at that group. It was incredible. Let's finish with this, and perhaps we've buried the lead here. Our question of the day. We put together 12 games. you got to keep nine, but you got to lose three, some of the greatest wins in BYU history. What three are you losing from our list here? Um, I, is the list currently up on the TV? I'm wondering if, uh, if, if people can see the list because – Back to Harlan, uh, Manga Miracle, this, Miami, Miracle Bowl, 09 Utah, 09 Oklahoma, 84 Holiday Bowl, 97 Cotton, 21 Utah, 83 Missouri, 2019 Tennessee. What one game would you right, so lose there then? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take 2019 Tennessee off. Um, I'm going to take uh, – by the way, I'm not going to remove anything Max Hall. So Oklahoma <laughs> State, Max Hall, in my opinion, he he's my favorite all-time BYU QB. He and Ty Detmer, favorite all-time BYU QBs. Um, so not going to touch either one of those games, but I'll take uh, Tennessee off. I'm actually going to take the this last Utah game, 2021 Utah off, 
I know it was great to get off the slide, but I don't know if that's slotted as one of the all-times. And it's really tough to take the Tanner Mangum miracle. That's the one in Nebraska? Yeah. It's really tough to take that one off, but, ah, oh man, I don't, know if, I don't know if you can take that one off. I think that that's, <laughs> it's, it's too much of a legendary, iconic play uh, where Mitch Matthews goes up and brings that ball down. Yeah, tough, right? one's tough, guys. This, this, is, oh, this is painful. Anything, not touching anything 96. You know that, 97. No way. That 2001, is is that LaBelle's last miracle? Is that no, the one I no, played? That was, that was 2000. That was a team that you obviously were involved in. It was it was Dolman to Staley in 2001. Down 11 with six oh, minutes awesome. left, undefeated. Yeah, take that one off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, take that keep one all off. the Utahs on. That's what I say. No, I get it with 21, uh, take, as we mentioned. But Take yeah. that one off and put LaBelle's last miracle on. Still involved Luke Staley. Dude, still involved Brandon Doman. There were, it was hard for us just to get this list. 212. Yeah. I mean, there have been some <laughs> unbelievable wins in BYU history. Now, Hans, uh, we need to finish with this in the last 30 seconds of our conversation. We talked about the draft picks, the number of talented guys that BYU has. How do you think that will translate into wins in 2022? What are your expectations for BYU football in terms of wins in the upcoming season? Well, I'd like to set them realistically for Kalani. Um, I would hate if Kalani went on a radio station and and somebody was like, what is the expectations for Hans? And he's like, oh, man, I, I think he's Sports Center's lead host. And, you know, if Kalani <laughs> set these crazy expectations, I'd call him. I'd be like, hey, hey, calm it down, man. I'm never going to hit those numbers. I like to set them realistic, uh, and I like to be fair to the team. I think that eight is a very realistic number. Yeah, I think you beat South Florida in Tampa. I think you beat Wyoming. I think you beat Utah State in Liberty. I think you beat East Carolina. I think you beat Boise State, Utah Tech, and Stanford. I think you beat those teams. And then it's a toss-up amongst the other four, Baylor, Oregon, Notre Dame, and Arkansas. I think Notre Dame and Arkansas are going to be almost impossible. I think those are two very tall tasks. I think you can get one between Baylor and Oregon. So a realistic number is nine in the regular season. You throw in a bowl game, there's a very good possibility of 10 total through a season. So I expect 10 when everything's said and done, I expect 10, but I'm not going to throw 10 X, X, a number of 10 out there for the, the regular season. We're with you. You're, we're right there we're with, with you. you. Yep. We, we, yep. we are in agreement. Okay, Hans, yep. uh, always fun to talk, talk with you. We can't wait to see your next uh, circus trick and what you're going to balance on your chin next. Two bikes. Just make sure you're recording. Hey, hey, BYU fans, you guys are lucky to have these two. Um, incredible men with incredible families. They do an incredible job. And the real genius behind these cameras, Ben Bagley, I'm telling you, man, BYU fans better – Better say their prayers that Ben he doesn't get taken by Sports Center. You guys are fantastic. I'll Venmo you Thank later. You, Hans. And another pie is on the way, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> get those triglycerides right. You got it. Thanks, Hans. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. What's Trending presented by Tim Daly Nissan, part of the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. As we have mentioned, the Big 12 spring meetings are underway in Irvine, Texas. Jerem, what are we hoping to learn after this weekend? And what do you think is on the agenda for one Tom Holmo at these first official set of meetings for BYU in the Big 12. For Tom, it's just 
shake hands and, and get to know people. BYU's not in a place of leverage at all. They're the newbie, right? They're just happy to be there, man. Happy to be there. Pretty cool moment for BYU to be there, right? Um, again, there were some meetings in Las Vegas. Those were the first meetings that BYU attended. Um, and then these are the spring meetings, and then there will be other meetings, right? Um, but this yeah, one, this one feels a little different for whatever reason. More publicized, um, sure. I guess. Yeah. Um, maybe they let media into this one or something. But yeah, yeah, th- this isn't one where Tom's going to go. Hi everyone, BYU TV needs to be able to broadcast women's soccer. Like he's not going to barge in with anything. I don't imagine, right? Uh, President Kevin Worthen will be there. Whoosh, Kevin. Um, yeah, in terms of what to learn, the number one thing I want to learn is when are the three teams from the AAC coming in? Because that changes everything. Yeah, leaks, it changes divisions, leaks, pods, all that stuff. Well, I don't know that you need divisions at all, um, period, right? That we've talked about the last couple of weeks. But, like, do you do divisions re- anyway, even though you can decide how – like, you could have divisions, but if the division champs don't go, like, what's the point of that? But, yeah, if, if we, don't, we don't know that the three AAC teams are coming in quite yet. Which there was a report from uh, a reporter named John Hoover said just spoke with West Virginia AD Shane Lyons this morning. Told a small group of reporters in uh, in Dallas that the Big 12's four newcomers are confident they'll be joining in 2023. Uh, BYU's in next year. Uh, it's the other three, close to the finish line. So perhaps uh, the three from the AAC are going to buy out. Now that changes all the schedules for all the sports, right? That that changes that. That's my number one question. They, they don't need to wait to know whether they're playing eight or nine conference games. They've been playing nine because everybody played everybody with ten teams. Um, but if it's BYU only next year as an 11th team, that's different. If the other three join and now it's 14, that changes things. So that's my number one um, question. I don't know that they decide that this week. I'd love to know that because we are only, what, four months away from having the schedule traditionally for next year. Uh, and then, then it'll feel legit, right? Like, we don't need to wait until next July 1st to feel like BYU's actually in the Big 12. I feel like they're in now, even though they're not going to compete this fall. But once we get that first football schedule, it's on, baby. I'm interested to find out if there's anything revealed about Texas and Oklahoma and their intentions to stay until 2025 or if they are on an expedited departure for the SEC. If what? I'm them, I don't. I don't wait until Big 12 meetings to do this. I just do it whenever I want, right? Well, you hope. I mean, but the buyout is significant. It's $40 million a year every year that you leave early. So you want to leave two years early, we're talking about $80 million per school. I think if they were going to do it, they probably would have done it already. That's all. That's why I feel. Or and, is it a scenario where it's like, ah, like, oh, we'll play one more year here, and then we'll pay forty million to yeah, get maybe. out one year early? But I wouldn't wait until the league. The the I wouldn't wait until I have dinner with the ex girlfriend's family to declare this. <laughs> or do they want to save the money? They want to just save the Te- money. Like, Texas, yeah, we'll just we'll just do our thing until twenty twenty five. Texas can afford anything. Not questioning it's, that. It's Oklahoma. Oklahoma can probably afford anything too. They could probably do it. Yeah. Like I don't. I don't think we all know that Texas is. Endowment and the, the amount of money that they have in that school is outlandish. But the number one income, yeah. Oklahoma's not far off. Like, oh, there's a lot of oil in Oklahoma too. I, well, yes, but their income is not. No one's is anyone remotely close to Texas. They're the number one, uh, you know, revenue making school each year. They'll spend a lot. I just want to know if BYU uh, picks. I want to know if BYU is going to have an opportunity to potentially play Oklahoma and Texas for two years. 
As of right now, that, yeah. That intrigues me greatly. Of course. Yes, I'm with you. The, no, the yeah. number one yeah. item on the agenda is, yes, how many teams are there going to be when BYU actually makes the jump to the Big 12? Will it be 14? Will it be uh, 11? 11? I don't actually care that what, much. What happens? I don't care that much because it's going to be awesome regardless. But if there's it impacts 11, scheduling. But if, yeah. But if there's 11, sure, you can get Texas and Oklahoma. The Big 12 can have some petty and vindictive nature and just make Oklahoma and Texas go to Provo in the first two years. If I was the Big 12, if I'm Bob Bowlesby and whoever the new commission is eventually, I make Texas and Oklahoma play the harder road games. I say, yep, you're going to go to UCF. Yep, you're going to go to West Virginia. You're going to go to Provo. You're going to go to Provo. Yeah, I I would do that. If I was super PNV, and I probably am, yeah, yeah, I would do that. (laughs) So I, this is awesome. I'm I'm not super like concerned or stressed about anything. I think this is going to be amazing. There was a question, and we've discussed a little bit on the show, and, and people ask occasionally, like, how much money is BYU going to get in the first few years? I, w- I went back this morning and referred to what Bob Bowlesby told us. The day BYU got the invite, he said it's likely to be about 50% of what the other yep. members get the first two years. So um, that's, that's that, that doubling. Was, that that or, number was confirmed by Tom Homo. And that's, yeah, doubling or tripling the uh, – yeah. Well, if Bob tells us we don't need any confirmation, we're good. We're great. But um, yeah, that's that's exciting. And then once BYU is a full member, full full money, with you'd assume. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's interesting is now Bob Bowlesby's on his way out. So uh, there's going to be a new commissioner. That that too is interesting to me. Like, how will this? That impact? could be in another year. Yeah. I feel like BYU's got a great relationship with Bob Bowlesby based on our interactions with him and what we have you know learned from him. Yeah. He's been on the show multiple times now. How will that impact things? What's the new commissioner going to be like? What if it's Craig Thompson? What do we do? <laughs> it's not going to be Craig Thompson. <laughs> it's Craig Thompson. We're like, actually, we love independence. It's not going to be Craig We're Thompson. just kidding. But Bob Bowlesby does, in his words, love what BYU TV brings to the table. So how will the new commissioner view BYU TV as a Did we just bury ally? the lead? Like, what's our role? In yeah, the no. And that, again, like, we, we want to know. The spring meetings are not the time, as you pointed out. Like, Tom's not going to go out with just, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> his verbal guns Hello! blazing, right? Hi, I'm Tom. We have our own network. <laughs> but we're not the Longhorn Network. But, yeah. And, and full disclosure, Bob Bowlesby came to town, and those talks happened. We know the talks about, the initial talks about, like, what the ESPN contract is and what BYU TV offers, you know, and what that means. Like, we'll figure that out. I'm not super stressed. BYU is about to get a ton of money. You can't be that picky as a new member of a Power 5 league who's going to double or triple your TV deal. You can't be like, hey, that's nice, but, like, can we get some baseball games on uh, our uh, network? Like, you take that money and run, sure. and you figure it out. Well, at what point do you start to flex then is the real question. Once you actually get some leverage and some power, it's got to be a few years. You've like if BYU goes into the Big 12 and then like year two wins the league, well, now you have some leverage. Um, in men's basketball, if BYU goes into the league, makes the Sweet 16, knocks off Kansas or Baylor or whatever, now you've got some competitive leverage. Once Texas leaves in Oklahoma, I'm interested to see the what kind of power vacuum there is politically in the league. Is it is it T. Boone Pickens money and Mike Gundy in Oklahoma State who sort of step in and go, okay, we're kind of the, the loudest voice here. Um, we don't know those dynamics. We've never paid attention to sort of what that's been like uh, in the Big 12, but certainly in the past, BYU was sort of accused of being hard to work with. And whatnot. 
Obviously, BYU comes in in a different situation, and the politics changed the moment Texas and Oklahoma. Well, leave. Bob Bowlesby revealed to us that BYU has been a delight and a dream to work with compared to some previous scenarios that he's been dealing with over the past few Spencer, years. Spencer, so when two people meet and they hang out a lot, at first it's always great. Well, Bob's leaving. He's right? leaving. So BYU's going to have to do be, that. He's, he has the, it, honeymoon the honeymoon stage, phase is, is where he leaves. Right? It'll, but it'll happen again with the new commission, you'd think. At some point down the line, you start to realize, oh, I don't really like what happens in this situation. That So it'll be a few years before we kind of realize where the words are. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Maybe the most controversial and painful that we've ever put out <laughs> into the social media stratosphere. You have to erase three of these great BYU football games to keep nine. Okay, there's a list of 12. you got to get rid of three. Which yes. three are you getting oh rid of? Oh, my gosh. I have admittedly been swayed. On one of my picks. You're not going to die on the hill. You're no. Gonna, you're gonna, you got I'm not. Bu- you got bullied by social yes, media. Yes, I did. Okay. And my brother. And, <laughs> nice. Okay, so what's your switch? I'm keeping 2009 BYU-Utah. Max Hall to Andrew George, the walk-off. Okay. Overtime, okay. And what is... I'm removing the game in that same season at the beginning, 2009 Oklahoma. Okay. Why? I just think that the, uh, the emotions involved in... Max Hall beating Utah for the final time in his final home game are greater than winning <clears throat> a game against an 8-5 and five Oklahoma team. You're right. Dennis Pitt, a highlight. Yep, I get it. Remove it. <laughs> are you changing too? No. no. <laughs> yeah, are you, are you getting rid of that one? Or do you no. like 9 Utah because uh, Andrew George was the hero and not Dennis? Maybe that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Maybe that's where it's. No, there was so that, that was just such an iconic win. It's overtime with Utah. It's seniors for Max and Harvey and Dennis and everybody. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's field storm. It's yeah. But they, again, there's no justifying what you think the correct answer is because everybody's wrong in this. That's what's fun. There's no right answer to this. Everybody's wrong. We thought about a few more that we could throw in that would be tough for BYU fans oh. to mentally tangle okay. with. Let's just admit that 2019 Tennessee does not belong in this okay. 12. We, we, like, that was a, probably a mistake. Yeah. 84 pit. Lavelle's last miracle in 2000. 2000 Utah. Ooh. 96 79 A&M. Texas A&M. The biggest road win by BYU. Yep. First, or second, first real sec- big road Second win. ranked win ever. Yeah. 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 Okay. At Cougar Stats. Friend of the program. We love Cougar Stats. 2021 Utah, 2019 Tennessee, 2009 Utah. My list is impervious to outside scrutiny. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, he's taking You're the a only shot. one. He's taking a shot at me. I get it, Cougar stats. Yeah. Yeah. I think they tweeted that before you switched. Okay. Uh, but yeah. Okay. At Spencer HJ. Um, is this your other burner? Nope. nope. 80, 83, and 84 because I wasn't alive then. I'm going to say something that's going to be controversial. We are close to the point. We're in the early 80s. We can't be thumping that as hard as we used to be. Let me tell you why. We're a couple years away from that being 50 years ago. Like, think about it. In eight years, it will be 50 years from the Miracle Bowl. Sure. Like, Utah doesn't sit there and tout its 1944 <laughs> National Championship at men's basketball because it's been 80 years. Like, it, there reaches a point where 
It was amazing. Don't get me wrong. We're going to celebrate those forever. But when compared to something in the last like 25, it's going to lose some luster in the conversation. I'm not Better saying, win another one then, I guess. I know. I'm not saying I agree with this philosophy. I'm saying that's how it's going to be. Like you're going to notice that those drift. Like do we discuss the 60s and 70s on the show very much? No, because it's been too long ago. Well, like, what, what greatness happened for BYU football in the 60s and 70s? Gary Scheide won quarterback of the year, Sammy Baum. Okay. BYU went the to in, a New Year's Six game. Well, the entire the, decade of the Gifford 60s. Gifford Nielsen was in the Heisman combo. Like, we, he won uh, passing title or whatever. Like, we don't – 79, Mark Wilson, BYU was 11-0. Okay, we don't talk about that team. That's, that's, that's that the team. first real argument. We don't 79. talk about that team. We don't talk about Mark Wilson in the same – we probably should. He was a first-round pick. Like, we don't – there comes a point where it's so long ago that it fades away from existence because the people that were at those ga- butts in the seat mattered to you a lot in that conversation. Where was my butt in the seat there? And guess what? In the 70s, it was not for a lot of people well, and- watching this program. And on social media, we are catering to a younger audience who uses that, right, in those questions. If we were like, who's the greatest ever? It's like, well, you got to bring up Phil Odell. He played in the 60s. Virgil Carter. But they're not going to be in that convo. Trust me, we do our best to be like Chris Mirchosich is probably the third best player in BYU history or whatever. That That's going to start to happen with like Spencer oh, it's, H.J. It's already 80, happened for a lot of people. I'm, I'm saying even more where there'll come a point where it just drifts Oh, it's already away. happened for every Utah and fan in existence. Sta- well, who cares about that? <laughs> but like that you're staring at Wilson floating away and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe how far away. That is now. It's great. Is that an inside-out reference? He's in the Lost Memories, and he's going to fade away into It's actually a castaway reference to Wilson the Volleyball. That's okay. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> At Doug Owens on Twitter. When in doubt, remove that which raised our hopes and then crushed our dreams. So how BYU finished matters to Yeah, man, that matters to me. I'd okay. start with the Manga Miracle being removed. After... That, the oldest events as they are lost to current generations of students since they are events that occurred 10 to 20 years before they were born. So that's just along your ideology. And and I'm saying when those students are 35, in 15 years, like it'll be 50 plus years since the (laughs) the 80s, right? Like I wasn't alive for 80. uh, I was alive for 80. I wasn't alive, uh, barely alive for uh, Steve Young senior. But those matter. Like those plays are great, of course. Caleb J. Hatch on Instagram says, very hard choice. It would be preferable to remove a game like 2018's loss to Northern Illinois or 2017 to UMass instead. (laughs) Too soon, Caleb. (laughs) Quickly on that. So like 2018 lost to Northern Illinois. That helped shape Zach Wilson. That was like, a moment in his um, being a young quarterback, right? His ascension. Yeah, because then growth, his you maturity. Know, you may not get 2020 Zach Wilson without 2018 Northern Illinois. I would. This argue. is an elite tweet of the day or elite voice of the day. Anom? right here at Ames Flames. No, nope, can't be done. But I can think of nine games against that team up north. I'd be happy to erase. <laughs> That's a great answer. You didn't play the game. <laughs> we played the game. If you're gonna show up. Play the game. Let's go. Let's hear your answers. That is fun. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Randomly on a June 1st, all because of a controversial Twitter question. Not random. It's a fake Social media question. <laughs> he is Jerem Jordan. I am Spencer Linton. Let's whip it. Cougar Whip Around presented by Marisk, your integrated container logistics company enabling global trade for a growing world. 
Joy Hoops assistant coach Cahill Fennell joined us yesterday to discuss Marshall Falk running wild versus the Cougars in the 90s. So, is he the biggest Cougar killer of all time? He's up there. He's top three for me, right along there with Kyle Whittingham oh. and Matthew Della Badova. Marshall Falk uh, had greater games than Delhi ever did. Delhi had that moment, certainly. Kyle is number one. But Marshall Falk, in terms of players, dude, his his numbers against BYU are like mind-blowing His game stuff. against BYU as a true freshman in that 52-52 tie were epic. He had uh, two 250-plus yard games. All three games, he went for 100-plus. He had nine touchdowns total, 827 yards in three games. Good thing he didn't play a senior year. He's running away from Dewey Gray, who was super Nobody fast. runs from no, Dewey nobody Gray. Nobody ran from Dewey. The only other person who's run away from Dewey at this point is Satan. The pastor <laughs> Derwin Gray doing the Lord's work. <laughs> yeah, Marshall Falk right there with uh, Kyle Winningham and Matthew Delvadova for me. Speaking of. A <laughs> TikTok trend is out there, Jerem, asking, what is the biggest scam yeah. that no one wants to admit? And Jeff Hansen of 24-7 Sports, BYU blogger, is blatantly attacking the credibility of the AP Top 25 poll. Listen to this. What's the biggest scam in life that no one wants to admit? College football's AP and coaches polls. Absolute and utter nonsense. You're telling me that a writer who's been covering the West Virginia game, that he had to wake up, he had to travel to Morgantown and fight the crowds to do his pregame stuff, watch the game, then hang out after the game to interview and get a bunch of coach speak and get yelled at because West Virginia lost and he has to cover this presser. He does all of that stuff. Then he finally gets home and he's going to sit on his couch and he's going to turn on Washington State versus Oregon State and then have a semi-educated opinion on who he's voting for in the AP poll the next day. No. No, that's a scam. That's not happening. (laughs) Now, I agree to an extent, Jerem. Okay. Yeah. I I agree to an extent, but let me ask you: Is Jeff right? He is right. Uh, I but I I don't want to just be like, well, nope, it's all metric based because like we don't award the seeding in the NCAA tournament on like a single metric based number. We combine a bunch of things with yes. humans. So is there something like that we can figure out? Because there's always going to be semi uneducated opinion involved in. Top 25s, right? That's part of the deal. He's right, but we like the AP poll here because we at least think there think there's some credibility to that. Coach polls garbage, but I don't want like SB Plus to be the tell-all. App State shouldn't yes. be seventh in the country because their offense and defense are really good. The coaches poll, I am with him entirely. Oh yeah, it's no, sports we, information directors. We it's both just are. like yeah, huh. whatever. The AP poll, however, there are so many writers and there are so many votes available that unnamed West Virginia blogger and writer, even if he's not doing, you know, his due diligence, there are enough people that are doing it that I think the the AP poll is okay. Yeah. Okay, tonight uh, TNT will feature this year's version of the match with Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers against Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, who notably lost to BYU in his final game. If BYU TV were to do uh, a version of the match, which former current BYU quarterbacks are you teaming up with to face off against each other? Uh, Jim McMahon and Steve Young are involved, for sure. Well, what's the com- what are the comments? Um, Ty Detmer's involved as well. Okay. 
The fourth one I don't know about because I know Ty, Jim, and Steve all play a lot and they're all pretty good. Probably Taysom. Probably throw Taysom in there. Yeah. So I'd probably. So who is who? Uh, Jim and Taysom together and then Ty and Steve. This is Ty and Steve. Yes. Okay. I, I go the runners, Taysom Hill and Steve Young, versus okay. the mountain toppers, Robbie Bosco and Ty Demmer. Oh, we got Rob, Robbie's national title. Yes. Robbie's and so good. He's such a good player. I mean, that'd be pretty interesting. I don't know about Steve's game. I'm guessing it's pretty good, though. Steve's he's the celebrity, right? He's the he's the ultimate celebrity for BYU fans. His you got to have him involved. Maybe he's not good off the tee box, but the but the ball just like runs up for him. It's just like a thing that in his life always worked. Just running. See, I don't know. Steve and Ty are hilarious <laughs> together, and Ty's a really good player. So Ty could help Steve in that regard a little yeah, bit. Yeah, if it's a scramble and they're playing best ball, we're, it's going to be all right. You just <laughs> contribute one good shot every game. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear and catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.